Hello, and welcome to the MACD Career Conversations podcast, where we talk to career people about their careers. My name is David Driver, and today my guest is Karina Blumgren. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Um, I'm very excited because I believe you are our first international guest. Yeah, I was born in Argentina and came to Winnipeg um, not quite 20 years ago, in 2003. Um, I guess just first off, did you just want to introduce yourself and uh, where you're currently working and what your uh, current duties are? My, I do introduce myself to my clients as being a labor market specialist, uh, working mostly with immigrants, helping them navigate the labor market, pre-employment and post-employment as well. I work for Jewish Child and Family Service, which is a social service agency mandated to provide supports, uh, settlement supports to immigrants to Winnipeg's Jewish community. And as such, uh, my role is specifically helping them understand the labor market. The position is called uh, employment coordinator, but um, I'm kind of an information referral person for them to access other services that are being offered to them in the community. Okay. All right. So going back all the way in your time in Argentina, uh, growing up, did you ever have an idea of what you wanted to be as a career? Like if you were going through elementary school, going through high school, was there an early career idea that you had? Uh, There was. Actually, there's one um, I shared a little with you preparing for this interview, but there's one I haven't shared. When I was a child in school, I wanted to be a vet, a veterinarian. I I loved pets and I wanted to help them. Until I realized that that involved a lot of things I had a hard time dealing with, like injuries and not so much the blood, but the healing and so on. So uh, that was kind of discarded. Mm -hmm. But the helping piece stayed with me. Uh, Although in my teenage years, because math was fun, I ended up starting computer science. Really? Okay. Yeah. Because, you know, sometimes you choose by what you have the gift, but not necessarily what you like or enjoy. So math was easy. So and computers, I'm old enough for computers to have been a future, not the present. Yeah. And uh, and so somebody said, oh, you have to do computer science. So that seems fun. For a year and a half, I did that. And then I realized there's no helping involved in this. There, humans are talking gadgets, but not helping. Mm. So... Then the switch came to psychology, which looks a little different uh, way back where I come from. There's a more clinical approach. So I graduated as a psychologist, did quite a bit of work in clinical psychology, but very soon kind of slided towards uh, cross-cultural communication and helping people in the labor market because I had languages, because I had an understanding of different cultures and approaches and so helping expats was a thing I was doing, and that led to resumes and, and workplace culture and adjustments. So all that yeah. came with me when I immigrated. Yeah. Did you go to university in, Ar- in Argentina as well? I did. Yeah, I did. And was that a, a, a clear decision that you had? So when you joined university, it was for psychology, and then you completed it. You never had any second thoughts. You never had any like uh, offshoots anywhere. It was where I straight to university, psychology is what I want, and then you graduated in it? Uh, no, no, no. I did a year and a half of uh, computer science. Yeah. And in those days, uh, it was a little different because languages were not what they are now. So there was a lot of algebra and, and analysis and all those math-related stuff. Uh, and 
that's when a year and a half into that, I said, no, 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 no. I don't belong to this crowd. I don't belong to this. This is, I don't want to be doing this. Yeah. Decades down the road. And I switched to psychology and that was such a relief. And then it went very fast. Um, Back where I come from, it's a five year degree because it's, it's difficult to equate to what you do here, but you graduate as if you had a master's here. So with the ability oh. to clinical work and so on. So I graduated in four years instead of five and I loved it. And I was working part-time with people with disabilities and doing family support. So yeah, that was my place. Yeah. And what was your first job specifically out of university? So you have your, your degree. Um, did you have an idea of specifically what you wanted to do or did you just find like the first job? that was available to you? How, how was your first process no. of looking for work? Yeah, I didn't have an idea. I was looking at opportunities that became available and I tried them out and some of them let me and some of them worked out. So I did a little, uh, I did some clinical work with children in and de- developmental and uh, educational psychology. I did a little bit of teaching at university being um an assistant uh, instructor for some. And that was lovely because learning was always a passion of mine, how learning happens and how people Mm. learn and how to highlight what's important and what's not. And then I did some clinical work in supportive counseling for people trying to find their way in life. So I did. And because of the languages, I started doing, I I became interested in cross-cultural communication, understanding different cultures and values and paradigms and yeah mm-hmm. and so yeah so it was a big smattering at the very beginning it was a lot of uh different tastes a lot of different flavors yeah and trying to find my place but also trying to find what worked in that labor market in a country that had some ups and downs um in terms of stability so you you have to become creative i i feel that that has helped me that flexibility that looking around and seeing where i would fit and what I can do with what I bring and what I can learn from others and how can I can make things work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How different is Argentina to Canada? Is there like some big major differences? Is there some like someone from Argentina has got a different set of problems versus someone from Canada? Like how different is Argentina? Is there a lot more similarities or mm. is there a lot more differences? Mm. I'm, I'm going to answer that from the perspective of somebody from Argentina trying to fit in here because there's lots of differences, of co- course. Mm-hmm. And if you were to go there, other things would catch your eye, especially if you go as a tourist. There's the food, there's the climate, there's the bus system. There's lots, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like climate, every, yeah. Any place you go as a tourist. But if you think of a person coming from there trying to adjust here, and keep in mind, I've been here long enough to first see things a little different because, you know, it works into you, the new, the culture you integrate into, but also things may have changed there. So people have different assumptions. One of the things I had to adjust to is explaining my worth, my values, my Mm -hmm. skills to an employer. That was not something I was used to at all. You would apply for a job and go in without knowing anything but your own background. You wouldn't have to try to help others see how you could contribute. You wouldn't have to know anything about them because they were supposed to tell you. You like, Yeah, so that was a big change. Mm-hmm. For you, so your decision to move to Canada. So I guess you're in Argentina. It's 2003. Are you thinking, I just want to move anywhere? Or was your decision that I want to move to Canada? Or was even your decision specifically, I want to go to the 
the haven that is Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada. What was the thought process there? Why did you want to leave Argentina? I'm all about people, relationships, and welcoming, and Winnipeg is top of the list for that. Mm -hmm. And when you've gone through places that have not been very stable, weather is the least of your concerns. (laughs) Mind you, mind you, I wouldn't mind a few degrees up in winter, you know? Yeah, that'd be nice. (laughs) No, so so that first, um, I don't think it's worth spending our time understanding crazy places and crazy realities and politics elsewhere. But uh, those were years of significant instability, not that it gotten any better. So um, as a professional, especially as a person understanding life in other cultures, I was looking for a place to raise my family mm-hmm. in um, with a sense of future and stability. My kids were younger, preteens. And I, it just felt right to try and find a better future that allowed them to grow and shine in a way that was a little more predictable, considering that life is not always predictable, but yes. Mm-hmm. So, and Canada has always been a place uh, that looked like that. And then I had a younger sister who was really starting without kids yet, uh, who had uh, connected with the immigration program here out of the province, the provincial nominee program. And so I said, mm-hmm. oh, let's look into that. And uh, that very quickly became filling out papers, being approved and coming. Yeah. I mean, looking back, uh, was that something that you would do again? Uh, would you do something differently? Like, would you balance some different choices? Um, or was the, the transition here smooth for you? Uh, it was. It was very smooth. To me, it was a relief. I, I am in touch with lots of people who came from the same background and adjusted here. And this was not the reality for everybody. Some mm-hmm. came because their spouses were very excited about coming and they, it took them a while. Some came because of desperation. For me, the choice was clear. And once I was here, it was confirmed. The only difficulty was I came in my 40s. So um, helping others see the value that I brought was tough. Yeah. To this day, the fact yeah. that I speak with a slight act, well, I call it slight accent. You may say it's not that slight, <laughs> but I do, like, you can hear that I'm from somewhere else. Um, that takes away some credibility, which is something that I find unfair, but it happens. People tend to not always fully trust somebody who seems different or from another place. And this is something I'm help, trying to help my clients see um, that it's not ill will. It's just the human nature. Mm-hmm. It takes a while until you get used to the different. Yeah, for sure. So you arrive in Winnipeg. Um, what was your experience like trying to find work? Because you're talking about it's hard to you know, convince someone else that you are qualified in a lot of ways. Was it really difficult to find your first position? Was your first position in the field that you are in now? Or did you have to find uh, alternative means? Or can you describe a little bit about how kind of getting your, you know, settling down in Winnipeg yeah. was like for you? Yeah, it was interesting. It wasn't, it wasn't in my field because I didn't get hired by somebody who had a position. I carved myself into things. So it took me three years to get 
a full-time job with benefits and vacation and everything. And it wasn't exactly in career development. I'll tell you about that. Mm -hmm. But when I first came, I did uh, receive uh, services from Success Skill Center that's still around. Uh, And um, they have reshaped their services in certain ways. But I had no idea about about what a resume needed to look like. And and Manitoba Start wasn't even in the planning back then. So... Uh, and there were agencies that are no longer with us. So mm-hmm. there were other supports. And I didn't know in those days that a, an immigrant could get services from an agency that is not specifically mandated to serve immigrants. Uh, I thought immigrants needed immigrant services. Today, um, even though that is often the advice immigrants get, anybody unemployed, regardless if they're an immigrant or not, could access other programs. Um some are very gen- general and some are specific by age or by abilities or by type of occupation. So I didn't know that back then. And that was helpful. And I did some volunteering for success skills okay. that opened the doors and said, you can do a little bit of this and that. And then I did some volunteering for my current employer. Uh, I sat down with them, a Jew- a Jewish Child and Family Service, the retired executive director back then. And I said, listen, I'm bringing a lot of things that you could use. There's lots of immigrants here being underserved. 2003 was a tough year here in Canada because the effects of the IT bubble having burst, everybody thought they would need lots of IT people over the year to K, and that didn't happen. So lots of IT people unemployed, and those were lots of immigrants that were allowed into Canada in those years. And we had West Nile, and we had Matt Cow, and we had, I can't remember what else, and people were still wearing masks from, from, from things like, you know, it was like, it was a tough year for employment and lots of people were unemployed that summer. Yeah. So I did a lot of, um, and I, oh, I never told you, but I also taught languages. So I, I went hmm. to my executive director and I said, listen, I have a background in teaching languages and in cross-cultural communication and in facilitating workshop. How about I create something that is a transition for all the people that immigrated that can help them practice their language, uh, peers support each other and um, develop some fluency in the language and for the job search. So I created some workshops there out of nothing. I don't even know how. Oh. There were about 60 people in different groups. And that was my first thing. And I, I and then when they saw me doing it, they said, well, we have to pay you something. So <laughs> That would be nice. Yeah. <laughs> so they said, I found some money. She used to say that very mm. often. I found some money. And and what I now was know it was is at the beginning, she didn't know if this was a thing. So there wasn't any money for that. But once she saw there was a value in that, she went to her sources of funding, which I don't know which ones. They were either some additional money or some funder, and she found some money to pay for the hours I was, you know, doing this. So, and that led to resume editing. I knew nothing about resume editing except (laughs) for the help I had gotten, but I did know enough to know that the grammar needed to look right. And the spelling. So I helped people with that. And, I learned as I went and I saw advice and opinions. And to this day, we all know resumes are the message you choose to tell an employer who you are and how you understand you could help. So there's different versions of resumes and different ways of presenting. And I had found one that worked at that time. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't do it again, do it different now, but yeah. So yeah. that was the beginning. And then I got a job with the Canadian Mental Health Association. 
doing facilitating workshops and raising awareness about mental health and, and stigma. And that was amazing yeah. because there was a different world and that suddenly I was connecting with local people, not just immigrants and with people struggling and with people needing to understand where to go for help. And that really, really helped me understand lots. And out of that, JCFS, Jewish Children Family, needed somebody to do the employment piece, they called it. They didn't know what it was, but they knew they needed somebody for employment. So that's Mm -hmm. how my program started. That is uh, quite a flurry there. And I'm guessing, is that that something that you try to um, say to your clients when someone's new to Winnipeg or if they're new to any location, really, to try out a whole bunch of different things to volunteer, to get your name out there, to strike conversations. Is that the main piece of advice that you give to those clients? Because it seems like for you and your career, that seemed to spark a whole bunch of opportunities. Or if you could do that whole sequence again differently, is there something that you would have narrowed down to or done sooner, done later? Because um, that seems that that effort of volunteering, getting your name out there, taking jobs, taking opportunities as they come, seem to be successful for you? Is that something that you try to impart onto your clients right now? Um, some of that. I, I, many, many of my clients are very skilled in their field and can find employment much sooner than me. Not that I wasn't skilled, but mine is so hard to define my contribution. In, in the human field, things are less in, in career development and in the helping field. Not everybody comes from the same background and you develop skills after you graduate. So there is a lot of uh, skills that come that are not fully certified as such in a degree. Oftentimes people who do have degrees still need to develop those skills afterwards. I mean, the degrees have a lot of value in them because they set the basis, but then you, you have to add to that to be able to do the work. So many of my clients are engineers, computer people, um, architects, um, healthcare providers, yoga instructors, whatever, different backgrounds. And they do not need to build the credibility in the same way I had by doing sometimes their background, their portfolio speaks for them or mm-hmm. their, you know, their lingo. Uh, but they do have to stay positive, resilient. They do need to understand who they will be talking to. So understanding the other culture, understanding where people are coming from, that is the hardest. And staying positive throughout the ups and downs, the roller coaster of emotions that is unemployment yeah. and uh, feeling not valued and not recognized, that's the hardest part. So my work, because I do refer to the agencies that offer interview training and interview tips and resume coaching. And I I do that kind of in the background. A lot of the work I do is helping people find their shine, mm-hmm. stay positive, strategize how they're going to survive the, the, the time between now and when they come closer to their goal, how they can um, become more positive, productive, and be seen as such. Uh, and shine and find their worth and understand who they want to connect with. So my role is um, from the supportive counseling side, but also connecting to resources and also networking in the community so that people will see the value of the people coming. So it's, again, being creative and finding gaps and, and how I can be of use. Because how long have you currently been working at the Jewish Child and Family? I started in 2008. Okay. 
Would you say that opportunity arose partially because you did volunteer there previously while building yeah. your other skills? Yeah. I think so. Uh, it was the first volunteering that became a paid thing. So I, I hesitate to say volunteering because I did get paid after a while. Yeah. Um, but uh, out of volunteering new ideas and things that nobody had thought of, and then, but also because I left. How can I explain this? Because I had a job outside in the community that somebody else valued. The people who knew me as me but weren't sure I was the right choice for them, once they saw me shining out there, said, oh, we need you back. Yeah. Which, and while in that, people would say to me, but if you came through the Jewish community, well, how come they're not hiring you? Well, you know, it takes a lot for a non-for-profit to uh, hire somebody to find the position and to tell whoever, the funders or the board or whoever, that the person you're hiring is the right person, you know? Absolutely. It takes a while. And if you come from a different market, it's a risk. For, so that's the, really, if job seekers could understand what the risk that is involved in the hiring process, whoever hires you is faced with a risk. They, they're not sure of your value. They're not sure you will bring more value than actual problems. They're not sure if their own job will be questioned by somebody above them if they mm -hmm. hire the wrong person. You know, uh, so there is... An, Understanding that for a job seeker is really important because if you can present as a person who brings more solutions than difficulties, who brings value, and if you can address that, it doesn't matter that you just arrived in Canada. It yeah. doesn't matter because you're not othered. You're not felt as a risk. You're felt as a contribution. Absolutely. And this is true for everybody, I think, not just immigrants. Mm -hmm. Uh, I completely agree. And that's something that I try to envelop in uh, my repertoire when I'm dealing with clients and students is just trying to get them to think of the employer's perspective when hiring, because it's not a one-way street. You know, it's not just Absolutely. what the client wants. The employer has a whole multitude of reasons and barriers to hiring and the factors they have to go through. So I think having, having people understand that part of it is such a big portion of helping people be successful finding work. Um, it's it, it definitely a lot of factors go into it for sure. Moving to the Jewish Child and Family Services, uh, one of the questions I had for you was, are there any unique challenges or opportunities that a Jewish newcomer may have versus any other type of newcomer? Or do they have a specific set of challenges or is it more similar? Yeah, interesting. Um, not because of being Jewish. No, I don't think um, they're on equal standing to any other, except a very small portion of the clients I serve that are very observant religiously. And so there are days that they do not work or um, certain things that in their behavior and that is slightly different mm -hmm. that may set them aside. But the, it's a very small portion. Most of the immigrants are very, like you wouldn't know if they're Jewish if uh, they didn't disclose it. Like you wouldn't know who's Catholic, Anglican or has a matey background, right? So, um, so in that sense, um, no. But the country people come from determines their way of communicating, or the, not only the country, the culture people come from. So many of our immigrants come from South America or Israel and communication styles and working collaboratively with others and what you say and what you don't is very different. And mm -hmm. that may be perceived wrongly so the message that you're sending out may be received with a different meaning and you yourself may misunderstand what's happening 
So that is a challenge for immigrants, regardless of their uh, religious or ethnic background. It's just you're transplanted into a different way of doing things. I sometimes compare it to changing companies. You're now in a new company. You're used to doing things the way you did in an old company. And if you make assumptions, you may get yourself in trouble or misunderstood. So one thing I would say, though, is um, I'm in a very unique position as a in the career development field because I work for a social service agency that is mandated by, uh, by Immigration Canada. We're, minded, uh, we're mandated to uh, connect people, to help people land, access resources and connect with, in my case, labor market. But from my other side, my community side, the mandate in between the lines is to welcome people, to help people feel welcome, yeah. to build community, to I graphically describe it as to hug people welcome, you know, not very COVID um, appropriate. But, you know, this virtual virtual hug for people to feel the sense of belonging, the sense of being welcomed, the sense of community. And that makes such a difference to everyone. And when I talk to people who were born here, they often don't have that either. Yeah having community support and feeling that somebody cares. So I, I find that my biggest contribution to people who will then go to career services elsewhere as well is to help them feel that they matter, that we're going to walk by their side, that we're going to support them. And I am able also to do after employment support. So people who may struggle in the workplace, relationships, health wise, unemployment, injuries, so I've developed a whole set of resources that I can offer that are not the initial mandate for immigrants, but that are very helpful for people navigating the system. Yeah. Like you said, belonging is so huge, whether you were born here or not, you know? Yeah. Um, you brought up a very interesting point. Um, coming here, I don't know what portion of uh, immigrants are coming here by themselves or coming with a family, but I wanted to ask you what, when you're dealing with a client, sometimes you're not just dealing with their issues. Sometimes their family is also having issues, or I'm assuming that there might be some scenarios where you're dealing with a client, they're getting along really well, they're integrating very nicely, they're enjoying themselves, you know, um, they're loving Winnipeg, they're loving finding opportunities, but maybe their family is not, or they're finding that other people around them or their loved ones are having difficulties. Does that creep up a lot as well, because I'm assuming that when you're seeing people, it's not just their own personal issues and their opinions and all that. It's also their family's issues and opinions. I don't know if you wanted to speak to that, but I, I assume that yeah. is could be a very big hurdle for some. Yeah, it's very interesting what you bring up. Yes, we all, and especially immigrants, have lives that get complicated. We all do. And sometimes things overlap and slide into different areas and they can paralyze you or they can help make you see things in a negative way or be overwhelming. So what I find in my role is um, being, um, you know, having a wealth of resources available for people, but just not just to send them away, to contribute to their support. So I often refer people to other services, programs, or groups, Mm -hmm. but I explain to them what they can expect uh, from those services. Expectations, especially when they're not met, are terrible. Like when you have expectations that are not met, it discourages you, it paralyzes you, it makes you lose hope in life in general and in career and in social services. So being a person who can build trust 
who can define the area in which I will help them and who can offer um, different uh, connections to supports and sometimes even advocate and pick up the phone. So um, when, when it's immigrants to our community, because we're a social service agency, I work in a team where the settlement piece, the everyday life piece is, I have two coworkers who are absolutely amazing, who've been doing this for a long time. So if somebody doesn't know where to access, like financial resources, uh, support, yeah. understanding why the neighbors got upset last night, whatever, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Sometimes that is so important and not yeah. making assumptions. We're having, this week we're having a preparing for winter, pardon me to bring this up now, but preparing for winter workshop. <laughs> what a block heater is and uh, yeah, and why you have to be on time but the bus stop and things like that. Yeah, yeah. So we, we do things like that. But having resources and explaining things to people and also I'm privileged because I do not have to tick boxes and say, oh, I gave you the service, now I can't do anything else for you. People are welcome to come back and I will hear them out. I will be very frank and very direct. Hey, you know what? I see that you are very worried because your coworker looks in a funny way at you, but there is no support for that. I can help you see if we can survive this in some way and then look for alternative jobs if this is not possible. But if your coworker is being significantly disrespectful, if the mm -hmm. workplace is unsafe, yeah. then you may have a recourse. So I, I do work with people, same with their spouses. There are supports. There's amazing groups of grassroots people trying to help others. Community and connecting with the helpers in the community is like priceless. It's like yeah. MACD is awesome in the career field. And there's other things I do beyond my job description. And I find um, connecting with people in the community, with the helpers in the community at all levels is the most amazing thing. Problems. But when they do, yeah. I find that this having connected with community and having built a network of helpers. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm delighted that you and I are connecting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, actually, yes. Why, why weren't we connected? Like sometimes it's hard to stay connected with everybody, but you know, you can build from here and who knows, one day you may pick up the phone and say, hey, Karina, can I, you know, can I pick your brain or can I get your advice? What would you do in my, and this is wonderful. If I ever wanted to move to Argentina, would you give me any tips? Um, give me some advice. No, it's an awesome country and I love the food and the, and people are friendly. The rules are different. And my biggest tip is con ask the expert. That's what I say to everybody. Lots of people yeah. give advice and they don't always have updated information, accurate or the ability to understand where the person is coming from. So to give you some advice, I would sit down with you and hear you out, what your assumptions are, what your mm -hmm. goals are, and then say, hey, in this area, this is something you may want to check out if it's still the way it was. And in this other area, yeah, you don't want to give advice from your own lived experience only because that advice may be for you and true for the time when you experienced it. And this other person may have a completely different set of expectations, realities, skills, worries, and challenges. So you mm -hmm. want to hear people out. So that's an interesting yeah. point because I, I've never had a conversation with somebody where my conclusion with them would have been, you have to move. If you have certain goals, if you have certain expectations, if you have certain preferences, maybe your opportunities aren't here, they're elsewhere, whether that's elsewhere in Manitoba, elsewhere in Canada, elsewhere, North America, the planet, wherever the case may be. 
Um, I don't know if you've ever had those conversations where either you meet with somebody and your conclusion is there are so many other opportunities out there for you, maybe moving is your best option, or even on the flip side of that, if you have a client who's been trying to set roots here, um, they're having a lot of difficulties, they're having a lot of issues. Has it ever come to the the point where you say maybe another location, another place is right for you? I don't know. You might say that talking to the experts and uh, getting different opinions is what values the most. But have, have you ever had a lot of those conversations where reaching that conclusion of moving is probably the best move, no pun intended, for you? Somewhat. So because of the nature of my role, which is welcoming people and helping them adjust here, I see my role as trying to make things work. Yeah. Not only because I'm paid a job to do that, but also for, like, if people got here, you there's so much involved in making the decision, not only cost, emotional cost, the things that you leave behind, the, the doubts you have to overcome to make such a move and so on. So you want to help people make it work here. Now, I have had clients who were highly specialized in things that are not happening in Winnipeg. Yeah. I'm thinking, for example, stock exchange specialists that need to work out of corporate headquarters, uh, people who may work in uh, infrastructure that is not like in the maritimes or in the petroleum industry or things like that, or um, their area of specialty was building dams and leading teams. Well, not in Winnipeg, you would have to go up north, but now you have a young family and you want some type of education, you would get a different type of education than you were expecting. So you have to balance things, right? So what I have done in those cases is um, brought up the topic is what would make you stay? What what brought you here? And what how what's the weight your career has as opposed to the life or compared to your lifestyle and to your sense of community. And once you have that clear, you will yourself know what is the right move for you. And I usually try not to make decisions for people um, because first of all, they're prejudiced by my own life. Like you, you know, and also it feels like I'm dealing with adults who my best contribution to them is to strengthen their ability to lead their own lives and make their own choices. So um, but presenting the things I know that have happened to others or the information I have may help them make better decisions for themselves. Mm-hmm. So this is career-wise or otherwise. So if you ask me, hey, you know, I can't find a job here and I so want this, this and that, and I want to move, I, I, I think I need to move. I would say, well, what would you make you stay? What would need to happen? Is that available? Would you be willing to make some changes? Can I help you in any way, make connections or maybe explore that further? So for you, that if you decide to leave, it's not out of frustration. It's out of a good decision for you. Mm-hmm. And that's something that a lot of like, you know, people who are raised in the same place and live in the same place all their lives, it's just merely a thought exercise of how would I fare if I moved halfway across the world and try to set up a life. Um, for me, like I, I'm not sure how I would react, how things would go. But again, it's all about seek, seeking out these services, building a community, trying to belong in some places. Absolutely. But I can, I could just imagine the um, 
sometimes the heartache and the heartbreak and the the trials and tribulations that a lot of people go through that. Cause I, I think that even would boil down to the types of personalities. Like some people are more adventurous. They're more willing to up and go elsewhere. And some people are more reluctant to do that. So I don't know how true. often you find that in your position. Yeah. Personality matters, but change is tough. Um, change in mindset, change in behaviors, change in everything is difficult. And if you are uh, ready for it, then it goes smoothly. And if it's, if you're in whatever like mental space where you have expectations that are not of yourself and of the environment that are not necessarily reality, then you may struggle. What mm -hmm. I have found is that people who come here with the mindset of, I'm going to make this work. I'm going to do whatever it takes, but I'm going to make it work. And I'm going to enjoy whatever comes my way. Those are the ones that succeed most likely. But emotionally, I'm talking, not just financially. Yeah, yeah. And the people who have certain expectations and keep comparing to the old times and what I left, those struggle more. Not that they are not a fit, but they struggle. And it's a hard, you know, uphill battle. So, and I think this is true in life in general, also yeah. in the mental health field, also in changing um, jobs and everything. I, if you start a new job and you keep thinking how good your old job was, that's going to be hard, <laughs> you know. But if you say, well, I'm going to see what I can do to make this awesome, you have better chances. Absolutely. Um, so let's say, Karina, that someone walked up to you and said, Karina, I want to be you. I want your career. I want to be, have your skill set. What advice would you give to them as a first step? What, what's the first thing that they should do if they want to fulfill their dream? Um, I would tell them that there is a lot of potential for them because people in career development come from different backgrounds and skills. And there's people doing career development in such a variety of ways. There are people who are in working for government, developing policies and understanding criteria. There is people helping people in the field. There is people developing new programming. There is people who use tests and scores to, to, to like, there's so many different things, some of which I don't find useful to myself, but I know some other people do. And the beauty of this is there's so many different approaches to it that when a client comes and I can see that they would do better with somebody else, I can refer them to that. So that's wonderful. So when there's a few things um, that I think have very, very high value to somebody in job searching or career, your own career path, but that are very useful to people in career development. One of them is informational interviews. Informational interviews are amazing. And people don't often think of them. And they're also, like we career developers tell people, why don't you go on informational interviews? That might get you a job, which is true. But then people say, okay, I'll do it. And then they go meet with somebody says, but they didn't hire me. Yeah, because you were expecting <laughs> a job. Yeah. You're looking for information, connection, understanding, and you're showcasing who you are and building relationships. That's the part people don't understand. But if you want to enter this field, I would say do as many informational interviews with everybody working in, their, in this field so that you can recognize where you belong, what, what skills you would need to develop, what your worth is, 
uh, coming into this field. And if you really want to do this kind of work, ask them about what they enjoy, what they don't enjoy, what they hear, what they do, what they don't do, and then you find. And that will also offer you an amazing training to then guide somebody to do informational interviews. So Absolutely. live experience. So that's one I broke down. Um, from my cross-cultural background and my, you know, I'm very interested not only in how people learn, how people make choices, so the cognitive and behavioral economics piece, but I'm also interested in how people stay positive and um, energized throughout tough times. I think that is very important to what we do. So what really helps is seeking to understand what's what the barriers are for yourself and seeking to understand what the perception of risk is for the other person. What's the other person worried about? What's the other person focused on? What, where mm -hmm. are they coming from? So if you can find that, you will not find that they disapprove of you, they don't like you, they discriminate. You will understand what they're looking for and then decide if it's worth filling that gap. So that would be another one. And um, for anybody coming into career development, doing the homework of finding yourself in your own strength, in your own values, in your own blind spots, in your own shortcomings is an amazing learning. Uh, be open to that as a path to growth. It will allow you to stay in the profession and not burn out, but it will also allow you to um, provide better help to others. I agree. Three really good answers. <laughs> Excellent. So thank you so much, Karina. That's all the questions I had for you today. But I do have one final question for you, and that is our impossible trivia question. Here I have an impossible trivia question for you, Karina. Are you ready? I'm, am I ever? Yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So the Voyager 2 spacecraft was launched by NASA in 1977. It left our solar system in 2018. Karina, as of May 2021, can you tell me how far away in kilometers is the Voyager 2 right now from Earth? Absolutely not. Half of what you said I didn't know. Do you have a guess for me? Um, it's, a, it's impossible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm thinking millions <laughs> or billions. I don't know. I'm thinking a, a number I can't even fathom. I don't know. 1,500 million kilometers. I'm, Ooh. I don't know. You were looking for a number, and I, I came up with a crazy number. That's pretty good. The uh, The correct answer is 19 billion kilometers currently, the Voyager 2. Okay. Has, so has traveled I, away. Listen, I came short. It sounds big, and I came short. There you go. That's quite okay. But as you said, even if you don't have all the answers, it's always good to work towards them. Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. So thank absolutely. you so much, Karina, for your perspective. Again, it was really interesting to talk about um, not only your current work right here in Winnipeg, but also your journey to Winnipeg. I think that's very unique and uh, something that I think we can all learn bits and pieces from. So thank you so much for talking to me today. Thank you for having me. You know, connecting with people and learning perspectives is wonderful for everybody in our field, but for everybody, it builds community and it increases understanding. So this was awesome. awesome. Thank you, Karina. Have a good rest of your day. Thank you. Bye-bye. information on MACD, including professional development, conferences, and other opportunities, please visit our website at www.macd-mb.org.